Welcome to the Spiritual Advantage Podcast, where we discuss how to make a maximum impact with our lives by fulfilling our divine dreams with divine favor, like the great men and women of faith throughout history. I'm Sam Stone, the Light Keeper. You are the light of the world, and I am the keeper. No pun intended. Let's begin. Sometime back, I heard an Indian parable that is quite thought-provoking. It's about a prostitute living across the street from a small monastery occupied by a monk. They can see each other from a distance uh, through their windows. The monk meditates and prays daily, but through his window, he frequently sees men entering and leaving her house across the street. He says in his head, what an adulterous woman. She will burn in hell for her sins. Every now and then, the prostitute looks through her window and sees the meditating monk and sighs with admiration. Oh, heaven bless him. I wish I could meditate and pray day and night like him in the future or in my next life. May he be blessed forever. One day, both of them die and end up at the gate of paradise. The angel ushers the woman in, but does not let the monk enter. The monk asks, you must have got it wrong. That woman is a sinner, but I'm a monk. The angel replies, yes, I know who you are. The problem is, when you meditated, you cursed the woman across the street. But when she saw you through her window, She sent her blessings to you. Now her blessings return to her, and your curses return to you. End of story. I'm sure we all know that this parable is not to justify prostitution, but to awaken the listener to be careful about their inner conduct, because appearance can be deceiving. As the saying goes, don't judge the book by its cover. The question is, how can we improve our ability to see through the cover? The answer is empathy. Empathy is often misunderstood because it's a nebulous cognition. According to scientists, there are four types of empathy. Cognitive empathy, affective empathy, somatic empathy, and spiritual empathy. Another problem is that those who don't have empathy cannot make sense of what it is. Even if you have it, you could lose it due to some life changes. Some people lose empathy due to a traumatic experience. Some become too wealthy and lose empathy. And some rise to a higher social status and lose empathy with commoners. For example, in the story, The monk loses his empathy because he's of an honorable status. He thinks he holds the moral high ground and gains the right to judge those of the lower class. In the Bible, we see similar conditions among the Pharisees and scribes who had lost their empathy for the prostitutes, tax collectors, cripples, and other so-called sinners. In the parable of the prodigal son, the brother of the prodigal son cannot empathize with his younger brother because of his moral high ground. The Greek word splechnizomai is often translated as compassion 
or mercy, because there's no equivalent English word for it. After some research, I discover empathy is a more precise translation that opened our minds' eyes to understand Jesus and his teachings more profoundly. Over and over again, Jesus warned the religious elites about their lack of empathy. In recent weeks, we have covered several parables of Jesus warning us the danger of apathy. Apathy is the opposite of empathy. Most importantly, the lack of empathy could lock us out of heaven. Money and wealth can also make us lose our empathy. In today's scripture lesson, Jesus tells us the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Many people get confused by this parable because the rich man did nothing wrong, but ended up in Hades, another word for hell. However, the context reveals why he was in hell, apathy. Based on this parable, it's vital to rejuvenate our empathy and exercise it and grow it like a spiritual muscle. Having empathy will keep your heart warm and happy all the time. You will win friends and influence people. Most importantly, you will become Christ-like because Jesus came on earth to show us the empathy of God. I see empathy like a set of wings allowing you to fly like an eagle instead of running like a turkey. No offense to the turkeys. We need them for the Thanksgiving. Let's begin. Hi, in case we haven't met yet, I'm Sam Stone, the light keeper. You are the light of the world and I'm the keeper. No pun intended. It's my calling to help you shine your brightest so that God is glorified in you and you are satisfied in God. The scripture lesson for today is from the gospel according to Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. Listen to the word of the Lord. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angel to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and sent Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, Remember that during your lifetime, you receive your good things, and Lazarus, in like manner, evil things. But now he's comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so. And no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. 
He said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither would they be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Luke 16, 19 to 31. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The story begins with a description of the rich man. Purple was the color of nobility in the first century Middle East, and the Roman senators wore purple stripes as their status symbols. The word fine linen is translated from Greek word that means flax, and the linen was made from it. I recently learned that linen was more expensive than silk in ancient China because they discovered flax weaving later than silk, and only the rich could afford linen in those days. I guess it was a similar situation in the Middle East, and Jesus described how wealthy this man was by what he wore. At a time when the majority of people had little to eat, feasting sumptuously every day also indicates his ability to live a wasteful life. Based on the context, Jesus was not criticizing his wealth, but his apathy. Jesus told this parable right after the parable of the dishonest servant, which we covered last week. In the end of the parable, Jesus praised the dishonest servant for finding empathy toward the debtors. So we can see that Jesus is contrasting the empathy of the dishonest servant with the apathy of this honest rich man. He indicates that an apathetic honest man is worse than an empathetic dishonest man. That allows us to understand another parable that Jesus told, the parable of the rich fool. It appears God finds apathy utterly offensive. Jesus continues, And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. Verses 20 to 21. The word gate is translated from Greek pulong, meaning gateway, the term often used for a city gate or a palace gate. That means this rich man lives in a grand mansion like a palace. The poor man Lazarus was at his gate, hungry and covered with sores, a stark contrast to the man inside. This is the only parable where Jesus named a character in it. The rich man has no name. Names are significant in the Hebrew culture in the first century. So when Jesus gives a name to a poor man, but none to the rich man, he implies the rich man is nobody, but Lazarus is somebody in God's eyes. This is not the same Lazarus as the brother of Mother and Mary. Lazarus literally means God has helped. The irony is, Lazarus does not look like a man God has helped. Why is someone God has helped in such a poor and painful state? Jesus is telling us not to judge the book by its cover. Maybe Jesus calls him Lazarus because he has received God's empathy. His prayer is heard, his suffering is felt by God, and he will be in Abraham's arms. Maybe God has helped him to this mansion gate to give the rich man an opportunity 
to exercise empathy on God's behalf, to exercise his stewardship. Jesus' last sentence sounds sarcastic. Even the dog will come and lick his sores. Dogs were considered unclean and despicable in that time and place. Yet they had more empathy than the rich man. They did what they could, licking his sores to relieve his suffering. You might wonder if the rich man even knew Lazarus' existence. Later in the passage, he shows that the rich man knew Lazarus by name. So he was not oblivious to the poor outside his gate. But he just didn't feel for them, not even as much as the dogs. His empathy may be atrophied by his luxurious living. Then Jesus said, The poor man died and was carried away by the angel to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. Verses 22 to 23. This rich man ended up in hell without any apparent sins. Some interpreters justify it by saying, All rich men in those days became wealthy by deception, corruption, or ripping people off. They say that's why he was in hell. But Jesus did not say that. We know he had wealthy friends in those days. Interpreting from the context of Jesus' entire teaching, this rich man was in hell because of apathy, not because of wealth. The parable also reveals that there is no more opportunity to exercise empathy on the other side of eternity. Now, the rich man realized it was too late for himself, but was concerned about his relatives. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, and he may warn them so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. Verses 27 to 29. With this request, he indirectly blamed God for not warning him. But Abraham said that God had given everyone enough warning through Moses and the prophets. In those days, Moses and the prophets meant the Bible. Now for us, Jesus himself has come to deliver the message. We have even more warnings and less excuses. It reminds me of Bertrand Russell, one of the most brilliant thinkers of the 20th century. He gave a famous speech, Why I am not a Christian. One of his reasons was that there was not enough evidence to believe God exists. He said if he died and met God on the other side of death, and if God asked him why he didn't believe, he would argue, you did not give me enough evidence. Bertrand Russell should have read this parable. This rich man did something similar, saying, so be it. If you didn't warn me, at least warn my relatives that are still alive. Abraham said, they have been warned, but he didn't give up. He said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither would they be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Verses 30 to 31. His excuse was that people need convincing evidence. 
just like Bertrand Russell asked for. Abraham's answer is quite thought-provoking, especially since we have the resurrection of Jesus, who delivered the message of God's love, compassion, mercy, and empathy. He also calls us to love your neighbor as yourself. What is the difference between love and empathy? Empathy is a sense of connection. The best description of empathy is John Donne's poem, No Man is an Island. I know I've mentioned this poem too often lately, but that's one of the best illustrations of empathy. If you understand and feel no one is an island, you understand empathy. You will also understand what Jesus means by loving your neighbor as yourself. Many people think it means loving your neighbor the way you love yourself. No, Jesus means loving your neighbor as if they are part of you, as yourself. From the perspective of oneness, before Jesus went to the cross, he prayed to God saying, just as you and I are one, they may also be one. The moment you understand this oneness, you know empathy because we are all connected. Jesus asks us to drink his blood to remind us that we are related by blood and are of one body. The rich man failed to understand this connection with Lazarus because he failed to listen to Moses and the prophets. In other words, he failed to read the Bible. God repeatedly delivered this message. If we look at the genealogy of Jesus in Luke, our ancestry doesn't end with Adam, but with God. The last verse of Luke's genealogy reads like this, son of Enos, son of Seth, son of Adam, son of God, Luke 3:38. It means we are all children of God. That connection is the starting point of our empathy. You might have seen some identical twins tend to speak or act simultaneously. Even some siblings do that because they know each other's thoughts and feelings. They empathize with each other due to their connection. In the same way, since we are all connected, if we can nurture that connection, our empathy can become more and more sensitive and stronger that will allow us to love the way Jesus wants us to love. Love your neighbor as yourself, as one. When Jesus was on the cross, he asked God to forgive those who crucified him, saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Luke 23, 34. That's the most vivid example of God's empathy. It shows Jesus know why we do what we do by his empathy. So let's learn from him and have his level of empathy. We will discover a more meaningful and rewarding way of living. That's it for today. I hope you find this message illuminating as much as I enjoy receiving it from the head office. Until we meet again, Keep your light shining brighter and broader and harvest the fruit of profound freedom and happiness. Amen. Bye now. Thank you for listening. 
If you would like to maximize your life and leadership by unlocking your spiritual advantage, please feel free to direct message me on Twitter at Samuel Stone or visit SamuelStone.com. I'm looking forward to talking with you. See you on the next episode. Bye now.